0: Hey there, thank you so much for listening to our Big Time Talker podcast. We are live on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, the Blog Talk Radio Network, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much to our show sponsor, SpeakerMatch.com. They're the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. If you're a meeting planner or you're a platform speaker, get together and find one another at SpeakerMatch.com. Well, in life, they say sometimes you have a second act, and our guest on the, the broadcast today, maybe on his third act, or, or maybe he's like a cat and he has nine lives. He's done so many interesting things. The latest is his uh, book series, the I Matter Books. And Harlan Rector joins us on the show. Hello, Harlan. Hello, Burke. How you doing? I am just fascinated by your life and all the cool things that you've done, including the, these I Matter Books uh, and, and your longtime career as uh, an artist and an art director at a big ad agency. And you are, as I understand it, still the voice of one of my favorite things. You're a, a voiceover artist. You're the voice of Bluebell Ice Cream.
1: Yes, sir. That's right. This is my 37th year, I think. Um, yeah, and I... I try to buy and eat all i can
0: (laughs) support the home team i love it all right i I don't even know where to start in unpeeling that onion because you've got so much cool stuff going on but but let's go back to the beginning i read somewhere that uh you were asked as a kid what you want to do when you grow up and you said look i want to be an artist and then you got to do that
1: well i said yeah that was in second grade when um when all the other kids said well i want to be a fireman or or we were just beginning in uh, world war ii so they some of them wanted to be soldiers and i just boldly stepped out and said i want to be an artist and i did i just i never had another thought and uh it was kind of kind of cool because i i didn't have to worry about anything because i i uh, that's what i wanted to do and uh, God led me that way, too. So where did you grow up, Arlen?
0: Let's rewind a little bit. What's your hometown?
1: St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, uh, the show-me state. And uh, uh, born in 1934, so uh, most of uh, the very beginning of my life was was before, before the war, before 1941. Um, and um, I, it, my dad said, I can remember what my dad said one time. He didn't talk much. He was from, he was a Hoosier from Indiana. Right. But, but he said in his in his uh, slang, we don't allow kink in this house. And for some reason or other, um, I have never thought about something I could, I can't, I hadn't thought about what I couldn't do. And I just uh, have been kind of fearless in whatever I wanted to do, I did. Um that's but the only problem with that is that there's just a, a few um, uh, letters that that take fearless and make it the foolish so, <laughs> yeah so um, hopefully I didn't do too much of the foolish but but I had my times
0: you so. can visit Harlan online by the way his website is harlanrector.com and you find out more about his books and his voiceover work and his his uh, time in Hollywood and 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 so, as you said, you grew up in the 1930s. You're right in the middle of the polio pandemic, and I wonder if you have recollections of of kids back then that that struggled with that leading up to World War II.
1: Yeah, you know what? I really don't. Um, um, I guess we were we were fortunate. We uh, we grew up in South St. Louis in the city, and um, uh, but 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 I, I didn't have any. Uh, uh, happening in my life or I mean the lives of my friends. So, um, it was, it was a great time to grow up because, uh, you just, uh, you know, we were, fo- later on, we were fighting a war. We had a real enemy and they had uniforms and, and, uh, you know, it was, it was totally different. The whole country was on the war, was on the war program. And, uh, it was just, uh, it was great.
0: So after World War II, um, at at that time, you
1: become a young man. And you you missed
0: the war because you were still a kid during World War II, right?
1: Right. Yes, sir. When World War II broke out, I was seven years old.
0: And so at the end of the war, when it comes time for young Harlan Rector to get gainful employment, do you remember what your first job was?
1: Uh, Well had little things like working as a stock boy at A&P and stuff like that. But uh, as far as career as a young man, um, the f- the very first art job was uh, because a teacher at the Washington University, when I went to art school there, he convinced me to uh, not go on with day school, but come to his night school courses and because he was teaching commercial art at night, and uh, uh, and I had a little job in a, in a label company designing little big stickers and labels and so forth. He said, give up that silly job, stay home and make art samples. I'll help you, h- show you how to do that, and I'll help you find a job. He told me that when we just got married. <laughs> so, so for the first three months of uh, our married life, my wife worked. And I stayed home making art samples. And by George, by the by the 1st of January, or the 2nd of January, he got me a job at this movie production company. They made the, uh, training films and everything. And I learned how to do animation. That was incredible.
0: Amazing. Harlan Rector is our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast. Visit him online at harlanrector.com. Pick up his uh, I Matter books or uh, the book I want to talk to you a lot about is uh, "Once Upon a Corner in Detroit," where you you drew characters and met uh, many of the biggest stars of the day in the nineteen seventies and eighties. Um, so you, you had you know high school jobs, as you said, you were a stock boy right. at the old A.M.P. grocery store, but pretty soon you're drawing for a living. And and I wonder, looking back on it now, at the time, did you realize? just how lucky you were that, that you weren't out there uh, doing a hard physical labor, which was the way it was well, for most folks of the day.
1: Well, I guess I must have. I mean, why, why wouldn't I feel that yeah. way? Yeah. I was doing what I thought I would, what I said I'd do in second grade. And, uh, uh it was, it was just marvelous. Um, and that and, uh, but that, but they, they had, they ran into trouble and they had to let people go and I was one of them. Right. And, then I got a job in the Yellow Page Art Department of Bell Telephone. And everything you did was in yellow and black. And it was, it was, it was kind of awful. Um, then a guy called me who I'd interviewed with before. He remembered me and they hired me at this huge uh, company, pr- sales promotion company. And we did everything in color. And that was, oh, that was just, that was the beginning of my art jobs. Um, and that didn't last long, but then I got an opportunity to, to go into advertising. So that's what I did the rest of my career Ad agencies all over the country. Um,
0: and, and if Harlan's voice sounds familiar, you may have heard him as the voice of the history channel or bluebell ice cream. He, he also does voiceover <laughs> where as my father would say, back in West Virginia, growing up, Harlan, you managed to figure out a way to talk for a living, which is not a bad thing. <laughs>
1: That's right. Yeah, well, well that, was a, that was another interesting thing in my life. I, I was discovered, uh, not because I wanted to be in it, but I was just discovered because I was doing a little demo for a client uh, just to let him hear what a, his commercial was going to sound like rather than just read a script. And the top voiceover lady in L.A. happened to be in the studio, heard me discovered me encouraged me to do that and i started doing that and then then the big agency i was with fired me so i was out on out on my own and um i first time i never had a, a a steady paycheck so what i did was i uh, i gave my career over to god and I, I know it sounds spooky and religious but it was just what i I felt i had to do because a voice was not something i knew i didn't invent it god gave me the voice and so um i turned over my career and and it was just miraculous the way it took off so um, but do you, uh, you want to talk about the, the, the Once Upon Corner in Detroit? Or? I
0: do. I want to ask you about that book, and, and Harlan Rector is our guest today, by the way. Visit him at harlanrector.com. So you were in St. Louis, uh, but eventually you found yourself in Detroit, and you were right. hanging out. At a restaurant where the biggest talk show host in the city of Detroit, a very legendary broadcaster named J.P. McCarthy, had an interview show at a restaurant, and he talked to celebrities. Then That's what great. happened,
1: and how did you get involved? Okay, well, I had, I had uh, for some reason or another, my art background aside, I had the knack of doing caricatures, drawing caricatures of people. And not big noses or anything, but they're more like sketches, but all done with a magic marker, a Sharpie pen. And you can't erase that, so everything had to be right the first time. Right. And I got I got to be pretty good at that. And I, in my office, every time somebody would come in my office, they'd get a caricature, and I'd put it up on the wall. I had them from floor to ceiling on all four walls. And so I was doing it. A, I was doing it regularly, so it seemed like it was just a, a second nature. So I took my pad and pen with me everywhere I went, and I wandered into this restaurant for lunch. I didn't know that they were having this broadcast uh, from there, but when I when I went in, I saw them doing. It looked like they were finishing it up. I couldn't resist myself. I just got my my pad and pen out, and I drew a caricature of the host, J. P. McCarthy. Uh, and afterward, he came over to where I was sitting and introduced myself. And, and uh, he looked at that. He laughed. He said it was great. He said, why don't you come to my show, Focus, every day at lunch when you can and draw caricatures of celebrities? And I thought, oh, wow, of course I will. Sure. And, and celebrities would come through. And in that hour, they would interview three celebrities. And, and when they, and I would sit there and do their caricature and I'd have them sign it and then I'd keep it. And I have original caricatures signed by Clint Eastwood, um, uh, Carol Channing, uh, Count Basie, uh, Jesse Owens, Colonel Sanders, uh, you name it. Just anybody coming through Detroit was on his show every day.
0: The biggest was, of the big names, uh, from back in the day and.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. The biggest, the Count Basie, uh, Stan Kenton. Um, Sidney Coit- Poitier. Sidney Poitier, exactly. James Earl Jones, and I have a story to tell about him later. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was just great. And Wayne Newton, when he was about 14 years old, so. <laughs> uh,
0: well it, don't make us wait i want to hear the james earl jones story now because there's another guy with a big voice who has made a living as as a voiceover actor in, in sort of his
1: second career right oh okay well when i was doing when i was now in the business of voice of voice acting i was in new york i was there for 20 years and um i was there for, and this this uh, producer said uh he called and gave, asked my agent, he said he wanted me to do a promo for him. And I did, I had no idea what it was. He, he worked for A&E. And uh, we did another one a couple of weeks later. And the second time he said, the next time we do this, I wanna bring my uh, boss because my boss wants to meet you. I said, well, <laughs> what for? He said, we're going to start what's called the History Channel. And he's looking for a signature voice for the history channel. It's between you and another guy. And I said, really, who's the other guy? (laughs) He said, James Earl Jones. Wow. I said, just give it to him. (laughs) I can't do that. And, um, he laughed, but, but I met the boss and he was nice and everything. And, um, a week or so later, they, he called he said, well, you got it. You're the new voice of the History Channel. And I was that for the first four years on the air. Um, I went back to my agent and I said, hey, guess who the voice of the new History Channel is? And uh, he said, don't be so smug. He said, I bet his agent wanted too much money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's one way to deflate your ego right away, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. So that's
0: fun as you met uh, these celebrities and and had them sign the characters i I wonder if you have any recollections of folks that that really made a big impression on a young Harlan rector as you sat and, and drew these folks
1: at this restaurant in Detroit. you want to know something I don't remember one word any of them ever spoke really i I honestly do not I and you would think you'd you'd want to know what Jesse uh, Jesse Owens said, or even Clint Eastwood in 1971. You'd wonder, you know, and I. It was the closest thing Burke, to, to an out-of-body experience that I've ever had because I would go in, I'd sit down on a stool, and uh, start to draw the caricature. I didn't have another thought in my mind, and and it was a it was a miracle, really, the way I did these. I could not. I could not do that today. Uh, it just. It was incredible. So, um, I'm. I'm really sorry that I don't remember. And and actually, I knew some of these people. Uh, I had met them before. Uh, in a trip out to L.A., I met. Uh, um, oh gosh, E.G. Marshall. Wow. Uh, and but, I don't remember what even he said. So, but you know you were there. We've got the book yeah, as the proof. That's true. That's true. And they're signed, and I have them all authenticated by uh, this, this authentication service in Dallas. I went down there with all these uh, about almost a hundred of them, and they authenticated each one and, and a certificate goes with every one of them.
0: If you're a fan of Old Hollywood and uh, classic entertainment, you've got to check out once upon a corner. In Detroit, by Harlan Rector. It's available at Amazon.com, wherever you get books, and you can visit to HarlanRector.com Barnes, as well, oh, and Barnes and, and Noble. Noble as well. Okay, very good. Um, I, I want to talk to you, if we can, a little bit about your new book series, the the I oh, Matter yeah. series. And um, look, you alluded to this earlier in the conversation. You've been around uh, the block a time or two. You you are not a young spring chicken. You've learned an awful lot in your life, and I think some of that translates into the, these books. But where did the inspiration come from for "I Matter"?
1: Well, this is—I'm is, glad you asked because this is really uh, interesting. Um, I had, when I had finished the uh, "Once Upon a Corner" in Detroit, um, a friend of mine that I made made this friend Ed Michalis because he. Cobbled together several other writers to help me write the autobiographies, or the biographies for all of these people. I had to write 65 of them because there were 65 celebrities in this book. Right. So um, he helped. He helped me get that all done. And he asked if I would sign the first book when I had it done over to his daughter, which I did. And I took it over to his house to deliver it to him on a Sunday night. And he said, this is wonderful. What's the name of the next book you're going to write? <laughs> I said, are you kidding? You're crazy. I'm. I'm this was such a tr- struggle for me to get this done. I'm just going to play golf. I haven't played in six months. That was on Sunday. And by Tuesday, three friends asked me to play nine holes. I thought, oh, my goodness. Well, all right, I will. And on the seventh hole, I hit a hole in one. And I thought immediately, there is something spooky happening here. Right. Because I don't believe in coincidences. But at any rate, uh, the rest of the week went by. And on Saturday morning, I decided to get up. I, I did get up before my wife and daughter. And I went in and decided to pray. And all I did was ask, God, what do you want me to do? And 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 this in warp speed came the thought to me to write a book titled I Matter. Now that I don't, I didn't think about that at once, and never thought about it before. But to have a specific title of a book called I Matter, and by the time I was through, I had worked out in my mind the whole scenario how how it would be. It would be a book about. Um, and six different stages of a person's life, and each each chapter, of these each chapter which would be a s- stage, uh, would have uh, essays or stories written by other people, who have had positive experiences that might have changed their life, or changed someone else's life. But the whole thing is a feel-good bunch of stories from people who. Have, have really I matter because of because of what they've felt in their life. And uh, I was so excited. I called Ed Miklas and I said, Ed, the name of the new book that I'm going to write is called I Matter. And he said, and then I told him what it was. And he said, that's, inc- I'll help you write it. And, and this guy has written over 40 books. Wow. And so um, he said, Would you entertain us a, a, a subtitle? And and just off the top of his head, he says, Finding meaning in your life at any age. And I thought, wow, that is so great. So we published this book and we got we got stories from we we put in some of our own, but we got stories from just a variety of people, all kinds of in any ethnic, any uh, religion, it doesn't matter. It was just a cross section of of, of United States and and uh, ages and everything else. And um, we published I Matter, the first book. And for the cover, I decided um, to to use the picture, the close up of the two hands in the ceiling ceiling that uh, Michelangelo painted. The hand of God, with the finger almost touching the hand of Adam. Right. I said, if if anybody matters, it's humanity, and he represents that. So, that was the cover, and there was a thought balloon coming from Adam, and it said, "I matter." And it was just—it worked out beautifully. And then, then we decided to have a second one. And so the cover of that one, I had to illustrate it because I couldn't use that same picture. But it was a picture of God's hand with his finger and pointing up to him was this young African-American female hand with bright pink fingernail polish. And in her thought balloon in bright pink is I matter too, T-O-O. And we got... (laughs) We've got fortunate, I guess, because there are real celebrities in that book, um, and one of them is uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman, who's a five-time Grammy winner, sure, uh, incredible musician, singer, songwriter, and uh, the reason he's there because he went to a concert of his uh, at Christmas time, and in in Orlando, and he talked about the fact that his life was changed. Yes, they have six children, but his life was changed when he adopted. Or they adopted three of them, so I thought, oh, he has got to be in our book because that's what—it's about positive things that happen that changed one's life, and through a great deal of, of God's <laughs> intervening, I suppose, because. I tried every which way to get him, and it, it simply worked out beautifully. And uh, and they're in the book—he and his wife—and um, and one of the one of the most prolific actresses ever, uh, Dee Wallace is in it. So the, the book is full of other people, but it was it's it was out. It's been out now about a month or so, and we're we're getting. Uh, essays now almost ready to publish book number three and it will be called i still matter
0: harlan rector is our guest these books the the i matter series are available online at barnes and noble amazon and uh, you find out more at at HarlanRector.com. um i wonder if harlan if this was a conscious thought for you um you're a senior now you had a long, you know, illustrious career. You still work. You still do fun stuff. But you've been around a long time. You, you, uh, you know, semi-retired to Florida. And I wonder if if I matter is something uh, that that you see seniors struggle with there, despite you know the career they may have had or or the family life they may have had. Do you see seniors that that feel like maybe they've been marginalized put to the side and maybe in, in internally they feel like they don't matter as much
1: bert that's a that that is a great thought um yeah the, well at, of course i have have a lot of friends that, uh since we moved here that are in in our church however how um they may be a little younger but they're still seniors uh but yeah that's that is that's something that's on everyone's mind. Uh, what did it really mean to you? Know, what did I really mean to anything or to anybody? Or, um, uh, and so, and and when you would you be surprised? Well, you would have to read these books to find just how many different kinds of of uh, positive things have happened to people. Um, they're not all just. Uh, they're not all personal some some happened to other people that they knew you know or that the, the influence you know a lot of them are, a lot of them are being how they've been influenced by by teachers how something a teacher said to them in fifth grade changed their life and so it's a it's marvelous I really uh I couldn't have thought of it
0: myself and I didn't. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there certainly was a, a divine hand in this. There's no question and I you know I, I love these books in that they're short bite-sized nuggets. It's something you can you know pick up on the nightstand before you 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 drift off to sleep at night and, and read one of these inspirational stories. If if you're a fan, and you're listening right now, you're a fan of the the chicken soup for the soul series. They're laid out very much uh, you know like that with a lot of short inspirational stories but one of the things that that i thought was interesting harlan that you did is you sort of uh, divided the chapters up based on where people are in their lives and from that viewpoint so could you talk to us a little bit about that and and how
1: that came to be sure well initially as i say um, as an answer to to that prayer um i i just thought i just it just came to me that that this there should be six different chapters, six different periods in a person's life. And the first chapter is is kindergarten, uh, and and uh, you know those ages, you know, one to to ten or something. The second chapter is high school and college. The third chapter is is uh, career. The fourth chapter is um, marriage family children so, and so forth and the last chapter is uh, is retirement and and we added to the second book we added a seventh chapter w- beyond what you know uh, and so there's interest really interesting uh, essays about the after after your <laughs> retirement what you know what happens at the end and um, but the, the thing i failed to mention though is that what we did in all of these books we have blank pages at the end of each chapter so that the reader the owner of the book can jot down their own uh little recollections of things that happened and maybe changed their lives and so forth and so if 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 they did that if they just jot down a few things after each chapter at the end of their the book they would have the beginning of their own autobiography. And it's, it's kind of adds a, a dimension to the self help books, you know. So um, that, that's an interesting aspect, too.
0: The stories are, are so very sweet. And, and there's one in there in the, uh, the I Matter 2, which is the second book in the series, uh, in that early childhood, you know, kindergarten, elementary school uh, right. by the actress D Wallace, who we all remember is the mom in E.T. and, uh, right. a bunch of other movies. How do you find the contributors to the book? How
1: did you find D Wallace, for example? Well, um, I used D Wallace years and years ago in the seventies in commercial, we were doing a series of commercials for Western airlines and, uh, we uh, we booked her, hired her to be a wait a stewardess in these commercials. So I I knew her, um, but she. I did what I didn't know is that my son Jeff, director, who is a who is an actor and a director and everything out in L.A. Uh, that he is a very close friend of D. Wallace, and so uh, I don't know if it talked. I remember talking to Jeff, and maybe maybe we. We decided together that that would be a good. But he approached her, and uh, and she was delighted to do it. So, um, you know, things things happen from different aspects. In some people I've asked um, to do this uh, decline, and and others uh, just jumped on it. And I was amazed by the hearing things that I didn't know about someone. So.
0: Spirituality, of course, plays a huge part in these books, and has played a huge part in your life. I wonder if that's Harlem more so now, uh, as a senior, as someone who's lived a very full life. If if that's a more important part of your life now, or have you always uh, been a spiritual guy?
1: No, um, I always knew about it. I was, I remember being brought up in Presbyterian churches when I was little. When I and we are married in one, and and I've always been to, you know, and I knew all these things that came, but I didn't, I didn't take t- too seriously, until um, much later, when uh, it was driven home to me in a very interesting way. Well, tell Just me about
0: that. What 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 was that change in your your heart and in your well, life?
1: Well, I. Um, uh, working in ad agencies all over the country, big, big agencies, they're, they're, you know, you're just involved in a lot of things. I was way a lot because I've, one year I made 15 trips out to LA from, from Detroit. Each one was a week or two, you know, so you're away a lot. Uh, you, you're not doing things. You're not going to kids ball games or whatever. And, um, uh, so, but I went to, finally, we moved to, when I started doing voiceovers in New York, we moved to Connecticut, and we were in this little church, Presbyterian church, but it was different. Uh, there were just really heavy, godly people there, but but not so that you were bored with religion. They were good, fun-loving people, but they were, they they just knew a lot more than I did. And so they talked me into going to a a three-day weekend um, uh, uh, retreat called Trace Diaz. And um, if you go, then two weeks later, your wife goes to one for the women. So that's the reason I went, just so my wife can go to hers. Not that I needed it. uh, But I went anyway. And so in in a break one day, we were out outside throwing the football around. I reached with one and I heard a snap, and I felt a snap and I tore my hamstring and went to the ground. Uh, so they carried me in and for the afternoon session, and the ma- they um <laughs> incidentally, the guy in charge was called the rector, so uh, ah. <laughs> but but he was more of a rector than I was so. Uh, He stopped before starting the afternoon session. He said, there's a brother here who's hurting. And when a brother is hurting, we pray for him. So let's go over and lay hands on Harlan and pray for him. So 50 people, the 25 that were attending and 25 that were putting on this retreat came over and prayed for me and I started crying. Like, I'm bawling. There was a puddle of water down at my feet when we're done because it's the first time that I ever really felt the love of God in these men. Not that I didn't know it existed, of course, you know, and I got along fine. But I was, I was touched by, by God. And they say God is love, and, and he sure was. And uh, it changed my life. Um, I had already given over that career of mine to God and, and tried to live up to it, but this was, this was the clincher. Uh, and so after that is when all the things that, have, that I've have been involved in, um, the, f- the first thing was uh, I was inspired to write 40 Radio dramas and produced them that talked about how God works in the lives of people. That was called Light. That was in the <clears throat> excuse me. That was about 1984 or something. All of this happened after that. And when I was through with that, then I was, then I was uh, inspired to write lyrics to songs. And I didn't, I never did that before. I'm not a writer, but I would write sit down and write on a yellow pad the lyrics of a song that Judas might sing about how he felt about knowing Jesus. These were all people who were alive during that three-year period of his ministry. And then I write the lyrics for Barabbas, the thief that was released instead of Jesus. And then I wrote the lyrics for Mary Magdalene. And then I wrote the lyric, and I had no idea why I was doing that. Of course, why I was doing it is because <laughs> God was saying, okay, you're gonna work for me now. And, and he gave me these great inspirations that turned into a musical uh, production. I wrote th- that I wrote the book for the musical and it was performed t- to, to theaters. Uh, and now I'm trying to, to change that all into a screenplay and I've, I've I've altered it some. I threw out some songs. I wrote new ones, and I'm 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 trying to make a, a feature film out of thing called A Taste of Heaven, and it's a it's a wonderful fun-filled um, trip through, uh, you know. I'm 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 really after. I feel like that God has. Has asked me to 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 reach the fence sitters, the people who, uh, yeah, say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I just never go to church, or you know, uh, or even people who just don't believe. If they saw the, if they saw that, pay attention to this at all, uh, they would be entertained and they'd get a good serving of, of, uh, Bible because these, these songs are all about they're little Bible stories about. Uh, so one of the things is the, is the kid who had the fishes and loaves when Jesus fed the five thousand. Um, so they'll get they'll get these performed by actors who are playing those roles. And it's a well, it's it's kind of hard to explain now, but um, believe me, it would be an incredible f- film. And so I'm about to. Uh, um, send it out and see if I can't get it done.
0: Arlen, you, uh, you have a few years on me and you're making me tired with all that energy. Where, <laughs> where does that inspiration come from? When so many of your contemporaries, uh, are, are just sort of hanging out and enjoying their retirement. You're working
1: harder than ever. Well, Burke, it's ruining my golf game, <laughs> uh, but, but my friends say I didn't have one to begin with. So, uh, um, we'll there's that. I, um, uh, you know i am mean, 87 i i don't feel that i don't act like it but i but i know that uh, i know that someday i won't be here but i'm trying my dancing as fast as i can
0: i love so, it i love it all right one last question and uh, i'll let you get back to it uh, you know you, you did talk about it in the i matter 2 book that you added a, a seventh chapter the the age beyond memories and, and, right. you know, what happens after you're gone for a guy like you who has done so many different things with your life, so many different, interesting things. And, and clearly I've been very blessed uh, to be able to do those things. You know, what do you want people to, to remember about Harlan Rector? And, and when they describe you, how, how do you want to be described?
1: Well, that's interesting um, because I wrote, I wrote an essay in that chapter, about where do we go from here? And uh, I, I wrote it from the from the point of view of I was uh, I grew up in Missouri, and years ago uh, in the 1800s, sometime there was a uh, a guy who who said he could he couldn't abide by anybody who was not not up to par who, who was always lying he you know especially politicians and he said um i'm from missouri and we and and one thing we don't stand for is uh, you know is being led down the, the the wrong path so you have to show me what you're talking about <laughs> and missouri became the show me state right I grew up i grew up knowing that show me was a, was a good way to avoid answering tough questions uh, you know so i wrote this essay from that point of view but the problem is um all these things are are are, are brought about by timing and and there is no one better at timing than god uh, he's in charge of life and death and and timing is going to make the difference between when you think you should, when you think you're going, and when you actually do. And it's no time at all to think about. Show me. You got to. You got to make up your mind what you're going to be like before you before it's, before your time is up, and you don't know when that is. So it's an interesting aspect, and it was, again, it was just a pure inspiration.
0: Harlan Rector, thank you so much for spending
1: time with us today. Well, thank you, Bert. Thank you very much. God bless you.
0: Visit Harlan online at harlanrector.com, and you can find out about all the stuff he's doing. He's got these I Matter books, uh, the incredible Once Upon a Corner in Detroit where you can see all the celebrity characters that he drew uh, in person from meeting all of those folks. He's uh, a playwright. He's written... Uh, a series of of uh, television shows and, and up next he's got this uh, a taste of heaven the musical that's being shopped around to be a movie and in his spare time his golf game is just uh, nowhere near where it needs to be <laughs> harlan com is the website address hey thank you for listening to our big time talker podcast thanks to our sponsor speakermatchcom com. i'm burke allen in washington dc wherever you go whatever you do today make it a great day thanks for listening bye everybody